my main goal in hiring is that I want to hire someone who is smarter than me, like just point blank. I want someone who's going to challenge me as a leader day in and day out, and I want them to challenge each other. I think one really cool thing that my team has done without my guidance, without my direction, they took it upon themselves. My team has a separate team meeting, just my directs. Welcome to Revenue Insights. Every week, we'll be joined by revenue leaders from some of the most successful and highest growing companies. Together, we explore how they built their revenue teams, the journeys that they've been on, and the lessons they have learned along the way. Revenue Insights is brought to you by Ebster. We're a revenue intelligence platform designed to help revenue teams to build more pipeline, close more deals, and retain more customers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Revenue Insights podcast. Today, I'm joined by Chris Allspark, Director of Revenue Operations at UiPath. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Amazing. Um, and the first question that I always ask everyone that when they come onto, onto the show, what has been your story to get to where you are today as you know, Director of RevOps at, at UiPath? Yeah, yeah, happy to share. Um, you know, I think... Uh, I didn't really find revenue operations. Revenue operations found me, so to speak. Uh, so when I graduated college, it was the middle of the recession, 2009, I always thought I wanted to go to law school. Uh, so I sort of took steps to kind of pursue that and evaluate whether that was going to be the right fit for me. I worked at a publicly traded financial news website that was founded by CNBC's Jim Cramer back in the 90s. Uh, so I was there for about two, two and a half years doing a little bit of contract, legal assistant type work. And after about two years, I realized I wanted to go in more of a business-focused direction. Uh, I took a job at a small financial services firm. Uh, I had a great mentor, a guy by the name of Mike Blumstein. Uh, you know, he sort of took me under his wing. I sort of cut my teeth getting involved in sales forecasting, pipeline management, a little bit of uh, revenue recognition logic as well. So I got some of the accounting uh, the accounting end of things uh, under my belt. Uh, but I think what really sort of made that pivot was my exposure to a tech stack. We didn't have an internal Salesforce administrator at the time. So I went, I got certified. I started to become really dangerous with setting up Salesforce, administrating dashboards, reports, permissions. Uh, and that just sort of opened the floodgates of what used to be called sales operations when I now love to call uh, revenue operations, right? A more broader strategic uh, you know, career path. So after that smaller company that I was with, you know, I kind of migrated uh, down, did some stuff in ad tech, uh, you know, very advertising focused, but still operational in nature. And um, you know, I sort of cut my teeth at a technology company based in Silicon Valley. Uh, it's called Risk Management Solutions. Uh, one of my first bosses there, her name was Debbie Stevens. Debbie was kind of that first person that really told me and showed me that revenue operations can be a career. Uh, I think for the longest time, I was sort of floating around trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And uh, she provided that justification and kind of showed me the ropes, uh, gave me people management experience, and I learned a ton from her. And uh, from there, I kind of pivoted into startups. You know, I had a, a great a uh, great boss, another great mentor and friend to this day, uh, Ryan Wilcox. He runs Global Sales Ops uh, at a company called Tonkian. Uh, Ryan recruited me to a uh, tech unicorn called Data Miner. 
spent about a year there. And then Ryan moved over to UiPath and gave me a call and said, hey, I'm at this fast-growing, explosive company. I need your help. And uh, really, I mean, I hopped on the rocket ship and I haven't looked back after three and a half years. Yeah, I've been kind of digging into a little bit into um, your kind of journey. And uh, you kind of touched on it quite nicely there in terms of like the fast growth that obviously UiPath has experienced, particularly over like the last four years while while you've worked there. So what was it like, um, you know, when you first joined um, and how has it changed since then? Uh, yeah, wow. Um, so when I joined the business in December of 2018, um, the America team was about a $40 million ARR business. Uh, we're now approaching the 500 million mark three and a half years later, which is just Congrats. phenomenal growth. Uh, I think it's a testament to number one, our culture, number two, our leadership, but number three, our sales team, our sales team and the operational folks that are behind them. Um, you know, really the product offering is there. The proven value to our customers is there. We just needed to execute and we did so. And I think we did so really well over the last few years, but, uh, in the early days, it was very much <laughs> it was very much building the plane as we were flying it. Super anxiety provoking. Uh, I think we we sort of live by a motto internally at UiPath, uh, and that is the only constant is change. Uh, we experience a ton of change on a weekly, monthly, quarterly level at the company. Uh, I think it keeps things fresh. I think it energizes people. Um, but, but I think over time, we've sort of slowed down. We've kind of found our niche within the market. It's not really a niche so much as a, a market leader within the RPA and automation space. Um, so we've, we've matured a ton. We've matured a ton in our internal processes. Uh, obviously, going public, uh, we have a ton of regulatory restrictions now. So that, uh, you know, trying to pivot our operations to be in line with all of our compliance procedures has, you know, really posed a number of uh, challenges, both for our internal finance teams, but our sales teams as well. So uh, we're just trying to adapt and, and keep the plane moving. I love that, uh, the, the metaphor of building the plane um, while you're flying it. Um, I think I think that will definitely go onto the uh, onto the title for this one. And I guess kind of like similar question in the sense of from a revenue operations perspective. Then I mean, you mentioned like the growth from forty to five hundred million ARR, which is you know mental difference, right? And from an operational perspective, how do you how do you approach actually getting a handle on that, and you know, and and actually tackling it from the the perspective of you know, we need to build process around this to be able to handle it and actually scale it. Sure. Um, I think first and foremost, it's a collaborative um, it's a collaborative task, right? It's not solely on revenue operations to define what those processes and policies are. Uh, I think there's a ton of work that gets done by not only RevOps, but our legal folks and our finance folks. Those relationships are really, really tight. Uh, so I think that, you know, to the extent we need to, you know, polish and make our internal cadences a little bit more streamlined. It, it's not all on revenue operations. We have that collaborative environment. So it's it's very much in our culture to sort of put all hands on deck, figure out the best way forward, um, and, and learn how to scale. I think we've, uh, we've leveraged a ton of our sales management experience in order to get us to this point. Uh, we had 
an absolutely fantastic leader in the Americas business. Uh, his name is Chris Clayco. Chris was a former Google Cloud Platform exec, worked at SAP before. Uh, he really took the reins of the Americas ship and kind of brought us to that next level. Uh, so I think the know-how and the operational rigor has to be instilled by your leadership team. Uh, and, and hey, like <laughs> it's been painful. It's been really painful uh, experiencing that growth. And it's all about execution, right? Like when you have a product that has strong market fit, you have customers who are willing to adopt because it solves a business problem for them. Uh, you just have to figure out the best way forward. And, um, you know, we've spent hours and hours on in-person uh, QBRs and meetings internally, uh, and not to mention all the Zooms throughout the last few years we've been under the pandemic. And it's challenging digging into the details, uh, forecasting details. How are you building your pipeline? Do we have enough to hit our sales goals? Uh, you know, What are the contracting structures that are going to work best for us to not only maximize our revenue, but provide licenses and value to our customers when they need them? Uh, all of those are questions that we've had to work through, uh, but it's been it's been a really a tremendous experience. That's for sure. Amazing. If you um if you could roll back the years back to December 2018, knowing what you know now, what what would you do differently? Oh man, um, I would have pushed for more resourcing for my revenue operations team in the Americas. Um, when I joined, my initial remit was to support two of our sales areas within the Americas, our public sector team and our central team. So I was effectively doing two jobs. I have a colleague, Stephen Geller, who was doing two jobs at the time. And then we started gradually building out our team. But I think where we missed is uh, establishing sort of a career path for revenue ops folks internally. So instead of building from the ground up, having an internship program, having early career analysts that we could bring on, help us tactically run the business, run analytics, partner with sales reps and sales leaders, it was we kind of got ourselves into a position where we just got you know stretched a mile wide and an inch deep, uh, and it was just a pure staffing situation. So I think I would have been a lot more vocal about fighting for the resources that we need because without those resources, revenue ops can't be that strategic business partner for our sales leadership that, you know, the really the dependency that sales leadership has on us, um, you know, sort of falls on the staffing levels that we have sometimes. There's only so much efficiency that you can get. Yeah, because how many um, how many are there in the revenue operations team now? <laughs> so, so in the Americas, we have about eight folks right now. Um, we have different levels of staffing across our different sales theaters. Um, but in comparison to the amount of revenue for the business that the Americas supports, we're, we're severely understaffed. I think we're working on ways to kind of true up that staffing level through lower cost and more junior resources because the folks that have been on my team have been with the business for at least two and a half, three years, three and a half years in some in some points. Uh so they know the business really well. They have strong partnerships with the sales leadership. They just they can't get to everything uh, every single day. Like they're working super long hours. So uh, we need to come up with a creative solution to kind of buffer that bandwidth and get us to a point where we can execute a lot more streamlined. And you know, my folks are working eight to ten hours a day instead of twelve hours a day. And mm. uh, because it's it's really interesting from my perspective. Like actually, you know, that's from 
you know, a lot of the businesses that we speak to, it's a real range. You know, some only have like one RevOps person, whereas us, is, you know, in, the, in this case, you've got eight and it's like, we actually need more of them. So how does, how does the, um, and obviously as you've grown over time, how does the structure, uh, how has the structure like changed over time? And, and how do you actually start to process that? Yeah, yeah. So when I initially started with the company and we're, we're sort of in between two different worlds right now in terms of how we restructure our sales organization and support that sales organization, just because we're getting larger and larger. But initially, what we would do is a one-to-one matching of RevOps manager with an area vice president, like a second-line sales manager. So that RevOps leader would partner with that AVP and be their chief operating officer, effectively. Anything that they needed help with in order to hit their number, uh, my team would be responsible for. Headcount planning, ensuring we had enough people on board. Uh, Quotas are accurately set. Uh, Territories are fairly cut. Uh, Forecast calls are running smoothly. Pipeline is being measured and built. Leads are being followed up on. So anything that is part of that revenue engine, my team was touching and is still touching to this day. So that partnership is is great with the sales leader because a lot of the time I think sales leadership doesn't expect enough out of revenue operations. So we need to encourage our sales leadership not to you know sort of buy into the revenue operations model, but expect the revenue operations model to work. Right? My team should be running forecast calls. We should be running our weekly business reviews and. We're, that, we're riding shotgun with the sales leader, but we're the one that should be driving the conversation. Um, and, and I think that you know, over time, we've, um, we've needed a little, bit more, a little bit more support. So if I have one revenue ops manager that's supporting um, an area vice president, four first-line sales managers, and then each of those first-line sales managers have seven to eight reps underneath – yeah, okay, that's that that's pushing it, right? Like that's thirty, like a thirty, forty person organization. Um, I think of another person that uh, I've been working with for the last two years. He's been running our uh, emerging enterprise operations. Well, that organization is like three times the size of an average enterprise area, and it's been just him for the majority of the time. So Nick has done a fantastic job running his business, but I I do think that you know until you staff your organizations properly and get them the bandwidth they need, it's it's sometimes challenging to give that business the support that it needs. There was a couple of bits you said that, that I love. One yeah. is around the, the you know the, the partnership between revenue operations and sales, but also um around, you know, getting to that point of that uh, you know sales leaders actually expecting it. So how, you know, particularly as you've grown, how have you achieved like that level of consistency across the different um sales teams in different regions within the Americas? Uh, so, so can you be more specific on the consistency? You're thinking like consistency of support? Uh, yeah. So, um, for example, do you have like um, like operational cadences in place? So, um, so perhaps you're forecasting in the same way, running oh, yeah. your pipeline reviews in the same way? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. O- operational cadences are really the core of the business. I mean, uh, without... Without having established processes, uh, you're going to fall flat on your face, right? I, I think the challenge for us at UiPath has been to adopt the same meeting structure, cadence, and process globally through America, EMEA, and APJ. Like, that's been the challenge. But within our geo, within our America's geo, uh, we've been able to set the tone. We 
typically now we're kind of under a little bit of a restructuring right now, but until recently, we had forecast calls every Monday. Each sales leader wasn't actually wasn't really a forecast call. We called the weekly business review because you're touching on your forecasts, you're touching on action items from the week before. You're looking at your headcount. Like, how are your reps performing? Do you have anybody on a PIP? How are you doing recruiting new reps? Uh, Do you have leads in the funnel that haven't been actioned? What about deal registrations from the channel? Is your team following up with that? Uh, How is the inspection of your pipeline going? Like, do we have tactical next steps and executive investment asks for all of our top 10 deals? Are our swing deals on top of? Like, do we think we can can convert at least 20 to 30% of those. So I think that conversation has been pretty standard across the America's business. Now, hey, it's a challenge for my team and a challenge for a sales leader to prepare for a rigorous forecast call, a regular rigorous business review call every single Monday. But that operational cadence has really helped us execute because then what happens, right? Our sales leader for the America's gets on with the chief revenue officer on a Tuesday, you know, the day after he gets all of these updates, he can concisely communicate his business plan to go execute to hit his forecast call and even get beyond his forecast call. And, you know, I want to say that uh, we, every single quarter that I was in seat uh, as the operations leader for the Americas, we hit our forecast call. We may have been plus or minus one to 2% each quarter. Uh, and there was one quarter where we were a little off. It was most recently, but it was uh, due to one deal structuring situation that we have. But uh, I think because we were managing to a number sometimes, and we can get into the whole philosophy over how to forecast and, and uh, you know how some people do it differently and, and the different uh, uh, you know, opinions on how that's done, but uh, we drove the business to a number. We didn't always have the dollars lined up, but we manufactured our way to get there. Super scrappy, super stressful. Uh, but again, it was kind of part of building the plane as we flew it, and we were hitting our numbers. So, can you shed a little bit more light on, uh, you know, perhaps a simplified version of how you manufactured that? <laughs> so, I, I'm probably not the best person to ask on on, on deal <laughs> okay. structuring and manufacturing. Our, our sales executives are just uh, incredible people. They're incredible motivators. Uh, I, I think that. What we would do early on in the quarter is we'd make a very aggressive forecast call for our America's business. Some of our sales leaders wouldn't have enough to really get us there. They would, eh, maybe, <laughs> I had my sales leader super exposed because he was calling 90% of his number, but his AVPs were only calling 80% of theirs. So, okay, we got a $10 million gap. Well, how do we go close that gap? You identify your swing deals. Uh, can we increase value for those swing deals? What are what are the different deal structures we can offer? Can we offer an ELA to a large enterprise customer? Uh, you know, what about a multi-year component that is not only going to maybe give the customer a little bit more favorable pricing up front, but it's going to help us hit our forecast and, and deliver the number now to public investors. So, uh, you know, in the earlier days, it was not a huge thing to miss your number uh, being a private company. But now, you know, with our CFO getting on with the street once a quarter, it becomes incredibly, incredibly important. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's all about it's all about teamwork and it's all about that tactical execution. But identifying that path uh, to fill that gap, uh, I think, is critical, and you have to do that early on in the quarter. One of the, you know, one of the things that we always um, would do is um, we would ask our RVPs, you know, maybe. 
it's usually like a month before the start of the uh, next quarter, right? Uh, identify one to two million dollar customer targets. So incremental million dollar targets. Okay, if I get one to two per RVP and I've got 20 RVPs, I mean, I mean, come on. Like, if you're not converting at least 25% of those, you're in trouble as a business. But I think it allowed us to wrap our heads around uh, the opportunity potential that we had um, and then, you know, go deal manufacture our way to get there. Amazing. And and something that you touched on there, and, and actually I can see as like a common theme is, you know, around teamwork and collaboration. So is that something that you would consider to be like a core uh, like value of, of working at UiPath? And then I guess second part of that question then is how, how does that then filter down into how, you know, the rev- revenue operations teams are working with the sales teams? Sure, sure. So that was, uh, I think that was one of the... Uh, happy accidents, I guess, I discovered when coming to UiPath. You know, I, I yeah. knew the company had solid technology. I knew that it had been, you know, founded by 10 people in an apartment in Bucharest, uh, you know, years prior. That. That, that, that's really all I knew. But I came in, uh, you know, during our new hire orientation that first week and, and learned a lot about our culture values. So uh, those are bold, fast, immersed, and I think the most important is humble, right? Um, and yeah, you know, I had always wanted to join a collaborative environment. You know, whether that is you know at the corporate level or at the RevOps level. So it was very clear by those values, especially that aspect of humility, that I was in a collaborative environment. And that teamwork, you know, as everybody says, you know, sales is not an individual sport. Sales is a team sport. You have customer-facing folks, you have back office folks, you have leadership, you have sales engineers giving demos, like it's all over the place. Uh, That has really then sort of trickled down into my philosophy for forming a team. Um, And I, you know, I've had the opportunity to lead our function, lead our organization. I've recruited a couple people along the way. Uh, I think what was really interesting for me as a team leader is to uh, get promoted into the role as opposed to coming in from the street. Uh, so I had peers who are now reporting into me, uh, which was, I mean, come on, like so ripe for imposter syndrome, right? Like I was working with these su- you know, such incredibly intelligent people and now all of a sudden I have to lead them and I have to be the one that you know, sort of delegates and asks them for things. Uh, that was an initial challenge, but I, I really not only try to embody those core values that we hold dear as a UiPath organization, uh, but I try to be super transparent. I try to communicate with my folks, um, you know, like I would my peers. Right? I can't share too much confidential information, but I want to be really realistic about the the problems that we might be facing or the goals that we have for the current quarter or the current year. Uh, so I think that element of transparency is is well received by by people on my team. Um, and in terms of recruiting, um, in terms of bringing new folks on, like I've, I've got a couple values that I look for. I mean, obviously you want to find somebody with decent experience, but I don't think it's the end-all be-all. Like I want them to speak the revenue operations language, but hey, if you know how to do you know, some element of forecast management, you know how to manage a pipeline, I don't really care if you know how to you know, form equitable territories, I can teach you that. Like, you know, you know the basics. Uh, I look for someone, number one, uh, that I can trust, uh, that has some of that experience. And I think the, uh, 
the main thing that I look for, and uh, folks on my team will kind of laugh because I've said this before, but I hire, <laughs> my main goal in hiring is that I want to hire someone who is smarter than me, like just point blank. I want someone who's going to challenge me as a leader day in and day out, and I want them to challenge each other. Uh, I think one really cool thing that, uh, that my team has done uh, without my guidance, without my direction, they took it upon themselves. My team has a separate team meeting, just my directs. They get together, I think, once a week on a Wednesday, you know, all six or seven of them, and they brainstorm. What are you seeing here? Oh, I'm seeing this in the West. I'm not seeing this in the East. How can we collaborate and try to get to a point where we're all marching in the same direction and, and leveraging best practices that everybody's using? I love the way uh, that it all just came together. And I couldn't agree more Like on the point of hiring people ultimately that are smarter than you, right? Because that... You know, ends up in a. You get to a situation where you're having people like that that you know are not really a threat in a way. If you see what I mean, sure. but actually you're bringing them on board to to fill your weaknesses, right? Um, like I'm sure within revenue operations, like there's so many different specialisms, and in reality, it's like, well, actually, I don't really like doing. Um, I don't know, doing forecasting and pipeline management. Actually, I love doing this different area, and and it's bringing in people that complement that, so make you better. As a as a whole and as a unit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm I'm glad you brought up the the element of forecast management and pipeline management because we've again sort of been in limbo in terms of a team structure uh, has been concerned. But what we were trying to do from an operational efficiency standpoint uh, is not only have an alignment with sales leadership in each of our areas and each of our you know. What is now that they're now geographic areas? We haven't verticalized as a sales team, but that may be UiPath version 4.0 at this point. Uh, but what we had tried to do within my team is say, okay, hey, I own operations for the central, but I also own forecasting. I own operations for emerging enterprise. I own everything related to pipeline data management. Now, hey, it was easier said than done, right? We sort of moved into this, um, you know, operational competency model and sales leadership support model. So it was a bit of a hybrid structure. Uh, we've since then kind of instituted a centralized operations function globally that has helped with some of those efficiencies. So right now, I've, I've got one person, his name is Spencer. Spencer runs our uh, forecasting cadence globally. So anything related to analytics reporting, uh, he's on top of you know systems as well, like he's on top of. So I, I think there there's something to be said about operating a business within a particular country or a particular sales theater, however you want to define that. Um, but until you can stand up a global centralized function that helps get everyone on the same page and marching in the right direction, there's going to be some, there's going to be some throwaway work that you're doing day in and day out. And it's just kind of the cost of doing business and revenue operations, I think. Yeah. And, um, What's so interesting to me is the way that you talk about, I guess, these like the, the the frameworks that you're building, right? So I can only assume that you know four years ago it was a case of right, well, we'll build one for uh, you know for handling that fifty million worth of ARR, and then okay, but how do you actually start to scale that then to you know is it right? We'll just apply it to a different market, or are you constantly like optimizing and improve that and improving that framework? Um, so that so that it does enable you to to be able to scale and that it actually holds up as well. Uh, we're constantly scaling 
apps. <laughs> we are constantly scaling, yeah. constantly changing. Uh, uh, we've had a couple new uh, incredible executives join our organization over the last uh, two, three months. We have a new co-CEO. We have a new uh, chief business officer as well. Uh, and what we've done is sort of pivot our operating model. Uh, so I, you know, <laughs> we had a broader revenue operations or go-to-market operations organization globally uh, that had a deal desk function under it, that had a sales technology or a you know Salesforce and sales tech stack administration function under it. Those functions have now moved out, right? So we have the sales tech folks reporting into the IT unit. We have um, you know, our deal desk function reporting directly into our chief business officer. So we've sort of thinned out some of that operational responsibility. And my hope is that our function is going to be more strategically aligned with the businesses that we support. But we still have some changes and, and room for optimization along the way. Like I, I can sort of brainstorm what the new model and what the new structure of our group will look like. But I don't know. Uh, I, I think sometimes it's fluid for us at UiPath. Like we, uh, yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing. You know, a lot of the times I think folks want us to just sit still and execute on the business, um, but that's just not really the reality of the situation sometimes. So, um, yeah. And so, as as you scale, and then to to a point that you kind of made there, in order to be able to optimize, how do you identify like which bits aren't working? And then actually come up with an approach to to start to fix that. Sure. So, I think when you're focused on any type of process improvement, either um, you know tactical processes or strategic processes, by strategic processes, I'm thinking, how do you run your annual planning process? Uh, I think it all has to come down to something that's measurable. And for me, that's that's revenue, and revenue is driven by sales rep productivity. Uh, so if I can do something that gives my sales reps and sales leaders time back to spend with customers, that's a win because that leads to more revenue for the company. Uh, there have been a couple instances. Uh, uh, one member of my team, her name is DePauli, she uh, dug in with some of our folks down in the public sector and realized that they were spending so much time trying to get deals processed. They were doing back office work, back and forth between distributors uh, partners, customers, uh, just trying to align paperwork so that our internal accounting team could book and recognize revenue, right? Uh, if I have a sales rep spending an hour to process every deal, or I mean, let's just say a half hour just to process every deal, and they close you know, how many deals a quarter, like that adds up. It's a day or two of their life spent doing administrative functions. If I can identify not only the process bottlenecks and fix the process, that'd be one way to solve it. Uh, if I could identify the issues and hire some lower cost resources to take that burden off the sales rep's plate, that's another way of solving it. But UiPath is an automation company. <laughs> we have to start using uh, our own technology internally a lot more. I think the problem, you know, hey, a lot of these processes are primed for automation. If we can wrap our own technology around them, that's fantastic. I think a lot of more mature businesses uh, can leverage UiPath because their processes are defined, they're repetitable or repeatable. Uh, they've been doing these things, or they've had humans doing some of the more tactical, mundane stuff for years and years and years. Whereas UiPath, some of these processes are maybe four or six months old. I think once we get to a point where we have our uh, operating 
like at least our back office systems and processes uh, set, then we can start automating some of that work for the sales folks. Uh, our accounting team and our back office finance functions are already using UiPath bots uh, with tremendous value to the organization. You know, I think there's a stat that our CFO likes to throw out, like we've increased our sales transaction volume by X percent, but we haven't increased the headcount of people supporting the business because we have leveraged technology, our own technology. Um, so, you know, when we're as as we're scaling, as we're trying to make our organization more successful and streamlined, like that's that's what I look at. Number one, like can I give my sales reps more time back to spend with their customers? And if I can, I feel like that is generating more revenue for the company. Amazing. I, what what I love is um, the way that you really like work so. Or at least by the sounds of it, works so seamlessly, like with 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 your sales teams and and the reps, right? And so, um, I know having spoken to kind of revenue leaders in all different areas, like that's definitely not always the case. So, if you could give like one piece of advice from you know your experience at UiPath of how you know revenue operations and sales could work better together, what would it be? Oh man, so I think um, you know, I'll go back to the point that I made earlier. Um, you have to have that executive buy-in for the revenue operations function. Uh, and it can't just be buy-in, it has to be an expectation. Uh, your revenue leader has to not only understand the concept of RevOps, and you can explain that to them, that's fine, uh, but they have to expect more from you. Uh, they need to think of you as their chief operating officer, as someone that helps them execute the business day in and day out. Uh, in terms of partnering and working with sales, uh, I think that you know the, the larger organizations grow, I think the less interaction folks on my team may have with individual sales reps. Like we are here primarily to be business partners for our sales leaders, so first line and second line. But honestly, the intel is gathered from the field. Uh, I think RevOps needs to be sitting in on customer calls more often. They need to be going on those ride-alongs, right? They need to be always involved in regional sales meetings, whether it's, okay, hey, a team of eight direct reps and a leader, whether it's an all-hands call with 40, 50 people, RevOps has to be not only a participant, but almost leading those interactions. Uh, and I think we need to pull the audience, right? We need to reach out for sales get feedback on new processes, which which we very much do. Uh, a number of new things that we've put out recently uh, have really been driven by feedback from the field, especially sales leadership. Uh, some of those folks just love digging in and that feedback. But I don't want to build something, I don't want to change something unless my leadership is going to approve of it, unless they're going to find it valuable day in and day out. So I think the more that RevOps can do to sort of pivot from only thinking about operations to kind of that whole end-to-end revenue cycle, that customer-facing uh, motion, I think the better off will be uh, helping sales be better. I want to wrap up with one final question. Sure. Slightly off-topic to what we've been talking about, but if there was one book that you would recommend to other revenue leaders, what would it be? <laughs> so, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, solid book. Uh, I read this a number of years ago with uh, uh, one of my teams when I was working in ad tech. Um, I think it talks about different personalities, different leadership styles. Um, I think it's good for revenue ops folks, sales folks as well. 
I like the uh, the classic good to great as well. There's an analogy in there uh, talking about having the right people on the bus first before you can start putting the bus in motion. And I think that, uh, you know, I take that into account whenever I take that philosophy into account whenever I'm thinking about building teams and, and how we build an organization, right? It all starts with people. People are the foundation. And I think UiPath really has bought into that and we've done a really good job hiring and we we guard against that. We guard our culture very, uh, very dearly. So um, yeah, the, the five dysfunction of a team is good. Good to great uh, is another one. Uh, admittedly, I have two bookcases filled with books and probably only about 10% of them read at this point. So I got to stop working so much and actually dig into books. <laughs> I love it. And that's the... That's a fantastic way, um, I think, for us to for us to wrap up. Um, final thing, Chris, to to everyone listening, um, if they want to learn a little bit more about you, you know, connect, ask any questions, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Chris with a K, and uh, I'm sure you post the uh, spelling of my last name. But uh, yeah, happy to collaborate, to network, uh, to share best practices. Maybe my best practices are not always going to be the best, but I love brainstorming and I love meeting other folks in the revenue operations and uh, sales silos. So please connect. Awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it all down into the uh, into the show notes. Chris, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, everyone listening, thank you so much once again. Uh, we'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening to Revenue Insights. If you want to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter and we'll deliver every episode straight to your inbox. If you have any questions, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. Our links will be in the episode notes. See you next week.